So today, do we have any firemen in the church? Firewomen? No? Good, okay, good. I've prepared a, just a couple of safety features just in case, but we'll see. Hey, Bill, man, what you said at the offering, I just went, woohoo! Once again, I love it when God speaks to us. And what he said about that love thing, that's where I'm going to conclude today. So, perfect. I, I just love it because it just confirms what the Holy Spirit has been saying to me. So, today, I'm hoping to get through with the ten virgins, and this is part three. How many thought it'd take three weeks to get through this thing, all right? Whatever. So, last week it just sort of took a, its own path. Uh, I wasn't even sure if I was going to get to the message again last week. Thankfully, I did get to a little bit of it. But this week we're going to jump right into our fifth discourse. How many know... What I'm talking about. The fifth discourse is chapters, anybody? 23 through 25. Very good. Some of you have been listening. The rest of you may need to start taking notes. All right, this is important stuff. Why? Because when you're asked out there someday why you believe this, that, or the other thing, you're going to have an answer. That is, if you study and show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you do that, God can use you in miraculous ways. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles there. And before we get there, I just wanted to talk about this. This is kind of the opposite of what Bill said. Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 through 14 because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Do you realize every day this world gets a little chillier? And I ain't talking about climate change. I'm talking about hearts. You know, people wonder why the planet's changing like it is. I'll tell you why. Because people's hearts are getting cold. There's nothing to do with the weather, nothing to do with the polar ice caps melting or not melting. And depending on what year it is, they keep going one way and the other. I remember last year when they had sent a ship down to prove that the Antarctic was melting. And the ship that they sent in there got stuck and it got iced in and they had to go rescue them. To me, that's God's sense of humor. And listen, we need to take care of the earth that we have. You know, there are responsibilities to living on this planet and to being human. God gave it to us. We need to take care of it. It's beautiful. But I don't believe that this earth is going to go down because of some climate change type thing. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back, and he's the one that's going to change it. You don't sound all that excited about that. Wow. Jesus said, whoever stands firm to the end will be saved. Poke your neighbor and tell them, stay firm to the end. What does that mean? Don't give up. How many of you have had friends or family who have given up on the Lord? 
for whatever reason. We are the seasoning on this planet. And we can reignite those hardened hearts. We can bring the love of God. You know, this morning, this was solid because I accidentally left it in my truck. What is this? Oil, all right? Have you ever, it was like a snowball or an oil ice cube. But I brought it inside and it melted. (laughs) When you get near people who are hurting, who have hard hearts, and you have the love of God in you, it's just like what happened to that frozen oil. It thawed out. If people hang around you long enough, they should thaw out. June, you know this is true. When you work in a place like you work, you are the thaw-outer. Because few are. And we need to be that love of God that people so desperately need today. So we shouldn't be surprised. And the reason I shared this was verse 14. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then, everybody say that, and then the end will come. So what has to happen? This is the one thing that must take place before Christ can come back to redeem His church. It's right there, that last verse. What does it say? Everybody has to hear. So, let me say this to you. How many of you would like Jesus to come back tomorrow? Some of you were reluctant to raise your hand. Maybe you like it here. But the point is, you want him to come back, let's get the gospel message out. All need to hear. And I think one of the things that's going to help with this, of course, is what? The internet. You would not believe how many people, Muslims and other faiths, that would be fearing for their life if they went any other avenue, they're able to get online, they're able to go to some of these Christian websites and hear about Jesus. And many, many, we support presently two different ministries that work with the online community and both of those put it out there if you need Jesus if you need God's love if you need to know what God is all about you can go to these websites and there are people who will communicate with you Spanish and all other languages around this globe that's pretty cool we don't even have to go there anymore. As long as they have an internet connection. God is using the church today in, in different ways, in miraculous ways, but we've got to get the love of God out there. As we went through chapter 24, we realized at the end of it that it all talked about just prior to the time 
Jesus was coming back for his church. Amen? No? Are you guys going to be like this the whole morning again? Come on. Work with me. Chapter 24 talks about Jesus just prior to his returning for his church. It's not the end of the world. It's not Armageddon. It's just prior to him returning and taking the church up in what we like to call the rapture. That's what's going to happen according to chapter 24. And then in chapter 25, we, we enter this, 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 oops, this, the ten virgins. All of a sudden, he talks about this. He says, at that time, meaning just after, or I'm sorry, just prior to, just after all this stuff happens, which is wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, all that's going to happen. And that's the beginnings of birth pains, according to Jesus. After all that, then this. All right, here we go. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. I'm going back to my notes. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Is that the end of the story? Sometimes we need to rest. I believe that word that the Lord shared through me earlier had to do with something like this. I don't know. You know, God doesn't want us to be weary. He wants us to be alert, wide awake, and ready for whatever comes at us next. And when we rest in Him, He'll ensure that we are ready. But at this point, all ten fell asleep. At midnight, or some of the commentary said, it's really not important what time it was, we just know it was in the evening after dark, all right? At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Oh boy. I might not want to do this. I just realized that my stick runneth over. I should have brought that rag out here. Is that all from... Oh, wait, maybe that's from the bucket. No, it's probably from this. I don't mean to talk to myself. There are some virgins, virgins, versions of the Bible that say that they feel like what the virgins had were little lamps. But it just doesn't fit. What are you waiting? The bucket's right there. I, got, I already got Dave's on it. I got a bucket of water back there in case. It, oh, and 
I'll move this away just in case. Some claim that because it talks about trimming their wicks, that they're talking about these lamps, these clay lamps that they may have had back then. But most of the scholars feel that no, that would not have done the job. All right. The idea was that when they heard the call, the bridegroom's coming, that they were supposed to ignite their torches, light them. And I don't know how this is going to work out. I, I hope it doesn't run down my arm here, but if it does, it does. Oh, that's doing pretty good. Yeah, you better have that, that bucket ready. Because I don't I don't I don't wanna. Alright, can you picture running down through the trails with something like this? What's it doing? Can you turn the lights off briefly? Black them up, black them out. Look at the light this thing gives off. You can see the whole room with this if, if that wasn't on, but Jesus is the light of the world, so we'll leave him on. It's going down oh, it's going down the stick. <laughs> leave it to a manager to tell us that the place is on fire. I used to work as a cook at, at Ponderosa, and I know grease fires happen often, so June is ready for this. And by the way, I'm on top of a rubber mat up here, so... Um, I, I was a little bit... Go ahead and bring that bucket up here, though, just yeah. in case. <laughs> you know what I found out last night? Oil does not light very well. I had to add a little bit of modern stuff called kerosene. And that's why it's doing such a good job today. Thank you. But can you get the idea? Is it filling up with smoke in here? All right, I'm going to put it out then. You ready? Uh-oh. You know what's happening? The oil is keeping it from going out. But, let's see if this does it. We did it. Woo-hoo. Hey, I've caught fire enough, I know. I know how to get around. Why did I do that? I wanted you to realize when our lights shine, they really shine. What we see happening here is that the virgins, when they heard the cry, the bridegroom is coming, they were supposed to light their torches and it was symbolic of Shining on him, illuminating, because he was the he was the main event, okay? However, if your light or torch didn't light, what good is it? I had another example, modern, if you will. I love flashlights. A man can never have too many flashlights. However, there's something that's very important. If you don't have it, 
batteries. This light is similar to the foolish virgins. They had their light. They had their flashlight with them. But they didn't bring batteries. You see, if they had, it'd be more like this. Or this. Yeah, see? Or, as John figured out, it does the SOS. Is it doing it? No, here. There, that's SOS. How cool is that? Mine's bigger than yours, so you just better stop it right there. <laughs> and mine has a little LED light that tells you when the batteries are going low. Does yours have that? What? No, it doesn't tell you if they're not in it. it we should add that feature, I guess. Let me finish this. While they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the banquet, and the door was shut. Am I on the right one? Okay. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, but he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. What's happening here? Ten virgins, they go out to meet the bridegroom. They fell asleep. When the cry came out, those who were ready got their torches out, lit them. And, and here's what a lot of the commentaries say. When they went to sleep, they didn't need them. It doesn't necessarily mean that when they went out originally, to wait, that their torches were lit. These things only last about, I was going to leave it running until it went out. They only last 15 or 20 minutes. That's it. So they really couldn't have lit them, gone out, and then stopped, and then waited because their torches would have gone out. So they fell asleep, as many times we do, and then when the, the cry came, they lit their torches, and the Bible says that they came with extra oil. Here's what I learned. What did you learn, Pastor Norm? What they would do is they would prepare them, they would soak the cloth so it was really wet, and then he'd wring it out, just so that it would kind of... As I said last night, it took me forever to get the stupid thing to light. So I had to do modern stuff. But they didn't have that feature back then, all right? They had to make sure that that thing was going to light when they went to light it. So then after it soaked, they took it out. And just prior to lighting it, they poured more oil on their torch, which would make it easier to ignite it. The other, the five that weren't smart enough to be prepared, they didn't take any extra. So if they had lit theirs, they would have only lasted a short time. So what did they say to the virgins that had extra oil? Oh, give us some of yours. And you heard what they said, right? No, we can't do that. For if we do that, we won't have enough. We won't be able to honor 
the groom when he comes, and then we'll all look foolish. No, you go into the, the city. You get your own oil. All right, here's the thing. Some claim there may have actually been oil retailers in town, if it was a bigger city, that might have opened their doors to sell oil in the middle of the night. I guess. But it really doesn't matter. Because what we need to see in the moral of this story is, really, it's quite simple. It's simply saying, you and I, the church, need to be ready. Poke your neighbor and say, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Ready. Ready or not, Jesus said, here I come. No, he didn't say that, but you ever play that? Ready or not, here I come. He's coming. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. All agree that the sleeping part had nothing to do with why half of were foolish, half of them were wise, obviously, because they all slept. Right. So what did the foolish virgins not do? What did they not have? There was, there was some kind of a disconnect here between them and the groom. Because later he says what? I didn't know you. They were part of the wedding party for crying out loud. If, how many have had a wedding party? Did you know everybody in your wedding party? That couldn't have been what Jesus meant. Just, just common sense. He knew these people. So by him saying, I didn't know you, he wasn't saying, I didn't know you, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know you, Jeff. Wait, you know my name. Exactly. However, if you mistreated me, here it is the day that you're supposed to honor me. And you're not prepared. And I have, I have asked you to, to do this very important responsibility. Be one of the ten. Bring your torches. Light up the way. But you, for whatever reason, maybe you're too lazy. Maybe you just didn't want to do it that day. You got up in the morning, you felt grumpy, you didn't have your coffee. I don't know. But you weren't prepared. You went out, even though you were a part of the wedding party and you knew your responsibility, you went out and you still didn't go prepared. So here's the big question. What is the moral of this story? Let me move back to Matthew chapter 5. I shared this, I think, last week. You are the light of the world. Repeat, would you say it with me? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Emphasis is mine. What do we see here? First, the command. Let your light shine. 
I believe that Jesus, in reference to the ten virgins, was saying that, look, when you're on this planet, you have one responsibility, and that is to let your light shine. And you can be either one of these. You're going to be either one of these. One or the other. Wait. Can you see the difference? What's the difference? You can see one of them and the other one you can't. In fact, this one's blinding you, which is what happens a lot of times when we get around un unchurched people. We blind them and then they're yelling at us like, Shut it off! What? Have you ever loved somebody so much that they just said, I can't take it anymore? It's awesome! In a scary kind of way, because usually these are people who will rip your face off. Because they're not saved yet, right? I used to be like that before I became born again, before somebody shined their light on me with their love. And after months of it, I finally said, enough! Tell me about it. I just wanted to get him off my back. Or out of my eyes. I don't know which. And it led to a miraculous change. As I got close to, his name was Jaime, as I got close to Jaime, the love of God melted my hard heart. And brother and sister, I was hard. I was as hard as they come. I didn't like people. I didn't like myself. I just put up with it each day. I was going through the motions. But after I met that man, after he shared the love of Jesus with me, and God, the Holy Spirit, came into my life, I want to tell you something. I was changed forever. Hallelujah. That's good news. But if that man had stuck his torch in a bucket, or if he had neglected to bring oil, where would I be today? I believe that this scripture is referring to the good deeds that they would glorify God our Father. Your deeds are the only thing that people can see. Well, wait, brother. The Bible says we're saved by, by grace and not by works. I agree. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. We all need Jesus. But there is a part two to this. What do you do with the gift God's given you? Do you let it shine or do you stick it in a bucket? So nobody can see it. Meaning what? You're not doing anything with your life. 
with the love that God shared with you, and it's not that difficult. I was going home last Sunday, and I looked up and I saw this man, and I believe it was his wife, trying to wrestle a couch into their house. And I passed him like every good Christian does. And I made it about 200 feet. I had somebody ride my tail, but they turned, and I thought, all right, that's it. I got to go back. So I turned around and I went back. And as I pulled in the, the driveway, the two of these pit bulls come running out at me, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to die. And I'm yelling out my window. You look like you could use some help. And he goes, oh, hey, we got this. This is the second one. And, and the man's wife or girlfriend, whatever it was, she's up on the porch. And, and you could tell she was pretty tired from it. And I just said, are you sure? I, I mean, I know how heavy those are. I said, I'd love to give you a hand. He goes, no, 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 we got this. And he turns around and he goes, but thank you. And God bless you. And I didn't say anything about Jesus. I just wanted to, him to know somebody cared that drove by and it did touch him. How hard was that? Now, do I recommend that all the time? No, you better be led of the Spirit because sometimes those dogs might get you. <laughs> Love people. Is it easy? Jennifer, you, you are the director of our local pregnancy center. What do you call it? The true, I, I knew it was new life. What's the rest of it? Pregnancy resource center. I always forget that resource part. Do you ever, do you ever minister to people that are hard to get along with? Ever? Sometimes, once in a while, maybe? Yeah. Because they're, they're, are they all Christians that come through your door? No. So, if you minister, June, do you have any workers? I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you have any workers who might not be saved? Probably just one or two, but. So, are they a little more difficult to work with usually? Generally speaking, yeah. Yeah, because they're humans. And they don't know yet how they're supposed to live. But we do. You see, these people are struggling because they haven't seen the light yet. They need you and me to be like Jaime was. Even in the midst of me calling him everything in the book, and I did, Telling him to get out of my face with no uncertain terms or I was going to slam his head into something very hard. That was what he experienced as he tried sharing the love of Jesus with me. I was a crusty young man with a very hardened heart. And I thank God that somebody had the faith enough in God to let their light shine until the day came when I said, I need what you got. 
But if he had left me there, if he had given up on me and said, ah, you know what, Norm? Six months I've been working on you. Eh, you ain't worth it. Anybody else have this experience? I mean, you're like me. You were worked on. Your, your salvation didn't come like that, but it, it came over time. Somebody worked on you, maybe two or three. Maybe you had two or three grandmas praying for you. God, get all the Clarence so that one day he could be the bass player at the Hope. And bring that infectious smile for everybody to see. Every person here, you're either this one or this one. That's not blinding anybody, is it? Our good deeds are what glorify the Father. Jesus said, be ready. Those who were faithful were allowed in. They were blessed. He said, now's the time for the banquet to begin. And he shut the door. Where did the other five end up? Outside, right? You know, there are many different parables that talk about this happening. This isn't the first time. It's not the only time. There are many. Where Jesus said, the door is going to be shut, and he's either going to say something like, well done, my good and faithful servant, or he's going to say what? Get that lazy servant out of here. I did not know him. Or simply like this Verse said in 13, I don't know you. All of them are saying the same thing. You're born again, and then you take your life and you spend it for Him. The next passage actually talks about that, right? I shared this last week, the gold. Two of them were, were faithful, one wasn't. And in the end, what happened? Two of them were rewarded, and one wasn't. And the Lord said, take what he had, the lazy servant, take what he had and give it to the one who had the most. So there's some kind of a system of economy in heaven, rewards-wise, and we're going to be judged by what we do. Not by so much what we do for ourselves, but how we minister to others. Loving. Loving, Bill. Loving. I love that, man, that you brought that out for the offering today. How hard is it to love somebody? Pretty hard. You can share your good deeds or you can keep them to yourself. Here's what's going to be expected. You're going to either hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. Or you're going to hear this one. Well, oh wait. 
There we go. You wicked, lazy servant, throw that worth. I cut out a bunch. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Because Jesus said, what you had, you didn't use. You kept it all to yourself. You didn't even get interest on in it. If you put it in a bank, you could have done that. But you didn't even do that. So again, here we are. We have two choices. The faithful will do good deeds. The unfaithful, they're too lazy. And they will have no deeds. You might say, well, you know, that's one passage of Scripture. And I get it. But then I saw this, Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the pagans. What's a pagan? Somebody that doesn't know God yet, right? I was a pagan before I met Jesus. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, oh man, I hated Jaime. That dude, just that smile. You know, can you imagine Clarence smiling at you for six months? On the inside, you knew you needed what he had, but you didn't want to make that commitment because that would mean you'd have to give up that beautiful lifestyle of sinning. And, and this guy, Jaime, every day. Hi, Norm. How you doing, man? God loves you. You come here. I'll show you some love. They may see your good deeds. Would you say that with me? And what? <laughs> this is Peter that said this. There are many others. But I believe I'm on pretty solid ground. And, and this one just was the crux. This was, this was the pivotal point. Revelation 19, 6-8 then I heard what sounded like a multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns! You know this is what's going to happen when? When He returns for us. We're going to hear this on the other side of that door that's going to get shut. If you're ready. If your torch is still burning, if your light is still shining, when Jesus comes back, you're going to be rewarded. Listen to this part. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. That is what the virgins were about to go into. Jesus was talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all the people who were ready were going to join Him. The bride has made herself ready. Hallelujah. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to wear. This isn't my little thing at the end. This was actually in Scripture. What's it say? Read that little parentheses thing. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts. Huh? Huh? Can you see it? Do you see it? Do you understand? Hopefully. See, I've worked on this for three weeks trying to get the context of what Jesus was saying. First in Matthew. Then in that division of 
chapters 23 to 25, it all says the same thing. It's all talking about that moment when Jesus comes back for his church. He doesn't want a bunch of hypocrites. He wants you to be ready. And if you are, if your torch is still burning, when he returns, you are going to be let in. But anybody that's not ready, that's been wasting their life, they're going to be shut out. It's just how it is. I don't know how else to put it. Five foolish, five wise. Five did good deeds, five did not. These people were made right through their righteous acts. Still got a little bit of time. Good. Wanted to get through this. The next or the last passage in this book, in chapter 25, the last passage talks about the sheep and the goats. What are we? <laughs> I don't know how to make a goat noise. Anybody? Any goat? Goat herder? Me? Was that it? I mean, I've heard some of them on... Facebook that sound like little kids yelling, screaming, raises a hair up on the back of my neck. I don't know why Jesus picked on the goats, because I like goats. I think they're cute, especially them little teeny ones, unless they butt you, but they usually try to, it seems like. Maybe that's why, because they're stubborn. And they eat cans and anything else they can get their teeth on. In this passage, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Listen to this part, for I was hungry. What is that? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. What is that? A deed. Do you see it? Are you still with me? You want me to quit? Okay, can I finish? Because if you're going to stone me, get it over with. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit have you ever done that? Any of these things? I still remember years ago, and, and we were in Lakeland, Florida, and I, I, this guy came into the church, and oh my gosh, he, he stunk. <laughs> I have a nose. Nobody knows like this nose, all right? This guy came in, and my pastor didn't know what to do with him. He, he threw a bag of... I don't, I'm not picking on my pastor. My pastor gave him a bag of groceries and said, God bless you. Well, the man needed gas, and he obviously needed a shower. And I thought about it, and I almost, almost went with the bag of groceries and kept going. Four boys, my wife, and I looked at Barb and I said, we got to do something for this guy. 
I just really feel like we need to take care of them. She's like, really? Okay. All right. You know, I heard the, the usual, but you don't know them. I know. We'll be all right. I was working out back then. I was pretty buff. I puffed up around him. We want to help you. Would you like some help and a shower? Please. It was getting late, so I took him home. We didn't live too far from the church, which meant he was in my car. <laughs> hey, can we roll the windows down? We get in the drive. I jumped out, left the windows down, got in the house, and it was so funny. My wife came out, and she goes, oh. Norm, come here, i got to talk to you. Took me in the bedroom. You know, you don't do this in front of the people. Norm, I don't care how you do it, but you got to get this guy cleaned up because I'm about to. And I'm like, I get it because I'm right there with you. So I, I grabbed a robe. I think we burned it afterwards. But I, I said, here's a robe. All right? Go take a shower. You give us your clothes. And my, my wife... She had tongues, I think. And we washed his clothes. I'm kind of making fun of this a little bit, but this is actually what happened. He came out like a new man. It was like, oh, hallelujah. Now we can talk. And we did. We talked about God, how much he loved us. And this man had been through hell and back. And we shared his love. And I don't know, I don't remember. I know we prayed. I'm not sure if we prayed the sinner's prayer. I really don't remember. But I know this. I did what I felt like the Lord had challenged me to do. Love this man. Was it easy? Uh-uh. Like I said, I almost vomited. It was so bad. And maybe you've been around people like that. But afterwards... It was such a joy. And my boys got to see that. Mom and dad took care of somebody that had nowhere to go. He would have slept in his truck that night and hopefully found gas the next day. So the next morning, took him back to his truck, filled his tank up, and sent him on his way. Whether he made it, where he was going, I don't know. But I tried to be the love of God. That's all God expects of us. Where am I? Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see me hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and cloth? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I wish I could stop there. That's the sheep. Then he talks about the other side, the goats. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Is this list all-inclusive? There's so many other ways you can love people. He's just trying to get us to understand that we have a purpose on this earth. Care for others, not just yourself. That's an American thing. Care for others. Go out of your way to love people. And then he finishes up with this. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And that last verse is crushing. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You know, this, this message has been so hard on me to deliver it to you, and I think this is why right here. Because God loves each one of us to the point that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but will have everlasting life. That's His promise. And then He says, Now, I have given you grace. By grace you are saved, not by works. I have shared my mercy where you deserved judgment Instead, you got mercy. Now, go do the same. You share that grace that I gave you. Michael, you share that grace that I gave you with others. And I, I know you do, man. you got a heart that's this big. You share that mercy. Look, people don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. Yet, God ensured that you were ready. That somebody came to your door and said, let me introduce you to the one who can give you the hope, who can give you the love, who can forgive you of your sins. But if we don't, who will? The foolish? The wise. Would you take me to the last slide again? You're the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Would you stand with me as we begin to close? I'm not here to beat anybody up. If you feel convicted, that's something else. Because if that conviction will help you to see that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, He wants to use you. But if your heart is hard, and if you have refused to let Him use you, you only have one alternative. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near, Jesus said. 
And when you repent, God can soften that heart again. Maybe this is the fifth time, the tenth time, the hundredth time. How many times do we forgive? Seven times what? And that's just a number. In other words, you keep on forgiving. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Show mercy and you will be shown mercy. Go back to the Beatitudes and read those. God wants to use His church. Here we are at, at the, the door of Christmas 2019. And, and most of the time when I think of Christmas, I think of people that have done good things for others. What a great time to go out and bless somebody. You see that, that single mom in front of you and she runs out of money and has to start putting groceries back and you're able to say, whoa, you get those. In fact, I want to get your whole bill today. Let me tell you something. You are going to make somebody's day and make sure and say, God bless you, Jesus loves you. So they understand that that act, that good deed, is really a light to him. That's what God wants to do with you and me, his church. And I want to tell you something. I have never been so excited about my life as when I have allowed God to use me in these ways. I was a little nervous last week when those pit bulls came running at me. But I didn't care because I felt like he told me to do it. Who out there needs you? Needs your light to shine in their life? It might be a co-worker. It might be a fellow student. It might be a spouse for crying out loud. Well, I've forgiven him a hundred times. Forgive him a hundred more. Well, that doggone kid, I told him if he did it one more time, he was out. That's fine. But you still need to love him with the love of God. Because God will put us out for a little while too until we're ready, until we're convinced that we need to come home. doesn't always work the way we want it to. But I know this for a fact, and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads here. Would you please bow your heads?